we were talking about relationships. And the reason we're talking about relationships, uh, before everyone gets freaked out, if you're a single here or if you're divorced, you're not fitting in the marriage box. Like, we're not just talking about, we're talking about relationships and all their fullness. Because Jesus, when He was asked, hey, the Bible's a big book. If I was just to focus on, you know, how do you summarise it? How do you boil it down? And Jesus goes, well, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And the thing is like neighbour is a proximity term. It's actually supposed to free us. He's not saying love every person on earth as yourself. You can't do that. Um, But as neighbour is like the people you come across. Love the people in who, like with whom your life intersects. And uh in, in our world, like that's our relationships, right? It might be our brothers and sisters in Christ. It might be our spouse if we're married. It might be our parents if they're still alive. It might be our kids if we have children. It might be our friends, our work colleagues. And so this is the heart of what the series is about, is about looking through the Scriptures, looking at relationships, yep, looking at sexuality and different things like that, but, but going, how do we do this God's way? What does it look like to live our relational life faithfully to the Lord? What does our faith have to do with this? What does it look like? We're hoping by the end of it, we know what it looks like to be faithful. We're hoping we know more what it looks like to love each other as Christ loves His church. Uh, We hope that we know a little bit more like our vision is to pursue the way of Jesus and play our part in His story. That's fundamentally played out in our relationships. That's how, that's one of the ways we pursue the way of Jesus and we play our part in His story. So, we're doing relationships. We are doing relationships. And I love this topic today. I, I have a special place in my heart for single parents, for blended families, for those that are single and maybe have been like looking for the right person for a long time, those who have been um, divorced or widowed. And I just wanted to say, I'm so glad you're here mm-hmm. if you're in that, if you're in that um, season of your life. And we just love, love, love you as a church. And I hope that this message will really lift you up and encourage you and that you would feel honoured and valued. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. We, I mean, you have a heart for blended families I probably do. because that's a bit of our story yeah, too, right? Yeah, it is. It is. So if you don't know us, so Joel and I have been married for 17 years. Is that right? 17 years. Um, and, you know, we met in a bar when we were 18 and um, I already... That will not be one of the pieces no, of advice we give advice. in this series. That's not the advice. <laughs> Worked all right for us, but no. Um, and, you know, I already had a two-year-old at that point. And actually, when we met, I was still in a relationship with my son's father. Um, I knew that that wasn't... He wasn't the one for me and he wasn't a believer. And I knew that wasn't good. I just hadn't had the courage at that point yet to... Um, end things, and so I met Joel, and um, and we fell in love first sight. Do you know what? I was a terrible flirt at that time in my life, but but it, but there was something a little more when we met. I was like, oh, I really connected with this guy, and so anyway, after that, I was like, okay, so I'm gonna um, end that relationship um, with my son's dad because I knew that was the right thing to do. I didn't think we'd see each other again. A couple of weeks later, we bumped into each other in my friend's house. Um, He worked out that I was now single, and so... Green light. Green light. And so that week, I found in my letterbox this hand-delivered note. It was actually a poem, and it had scripture, and he had coloured in bits, and he left his number on the back. 
This, these good. were the days where you had to work for it, okay? There's none of just this, none of this just swipe right no. and slide into a DM. You had to, you had to do something, That's you know? That's it. So Put I, yourself out there. So I spent 26, 20, what, 20, what, what, you, what, what? 20 cents on a single text message Yes. Um, to message you and uh, that's kind of how it began. And then we were engaged for, we dated for six months before we got engaged, we were married before we were 20 and then we had, um, you know, the, the challenge and the joy that, you know, um, my son and I, we were a, a tight little unit and it was us before there was Joel and so then the two 20-year-olds and a three-year-old, you know, then we had to learn how to get along together as a family um, and so, yes, I have a particular heart for blended families because I know it's not without its challenge, but man, there is so much beauty, isn't there? Um, and I just love that Sandra and Joel are just the closest friends now and such a blessing. Um, and three other and th- crazy kids too. we had three too. other children. And so I just feel we've lived a lot of life for our 37 years. Um, kids, you know, four kids between tw- 10 and 20 and 17 years of marriage. And of course we have the third wheel in our marriage and that is this church. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, that's one way to put it. Um, <laughs> hey, obviously we don't. We're talking about singleness. We're going to talk about singleness today. We, even though we've technically lived more of our life single than married, that doesn't mean we know heaps about singleness, right? Like we got married young. Uh, that's our story. But we have pastored a lot of single people over the years. Uh, and a lot of people in our church, I, here's the thing, church can seem like a marriage-dominated place, but we know, because we can see the actual stats and we know most people's stories, that even though it seems that way and it looks like that, that it doesn't mean that that's actually the truth of how it is here and that there's many, many single people for all different sorts of reasons. Some are single because that's just the season of life, you haven't found the right person yet. Some are single because you don't want to be with, with anyone yet. Some are single because uh, maybe divorced. Some are single because they've been widowed. Uh, some are single because they're just, you know, your heart aches for the right person, but the right person hasn't come along your path yet. And we know that that can be incredibly painful and difficult, waiting on the Lord and wondering if He's going to fulfill what, you know, the ache and the dream in your heart. But there's all different sorts of stories. And so we wanted to start with singleness uh, this week. And, we're, and I guess one of the biggest hopes that we have at the end of today is that, and this is where we'll start, is that singleness feels more celebrated in the church. Uh, singleness feels more celebrated because sometimes it can be the people like us, the marrieds, that can make the singles feel like the odd one there. And I think we can all do a lot better about that. But we'll, we'll talk about that. So should we start with the Bible? Yeah, let's start. Good place to start, isn't it, in the Bible? since we are at church. First okay, First Corinthians 7.32. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about pleasing, um, has to think about his earthly res- responsibilities and how to please his wife. This is true. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord in holy and body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. 
I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best, which with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries, marries his fiance does well and the person who doesn't marry does even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. Single and celebrated. Why don't, you, why don't you get us going in this one? Sure. Yeah, I wanted to start by saying that this time of your life, whether it's a season or whether this is how it's going to be for a very long time, it, it really matters. It's a beautiful opportunity to serve Jesus wholeheartedly, to pursue Him, to grow with Him, to connect with Him. You know, our primary calling is our relationship to God before our marriage, before any other relationship. And this is a wonderful time in your life where you are able to freely and wholeheartedly pursue that relationship first. I'm so inspired by my mother-in-law who has been single for the last 10 years since her divorce. And I have just watched her go deeper and deeper and deeper into the Word, into her relationship with Jesus. And over the last 10 years, I have seen her transform into a different person. And so she is using this time um, to spend time with the Lord. And it's a wonderful example. I know for those of you that are single without kids, Wow, how great. Look at all this time you've got. <laughs> Look at all this time you've got to have these quiet times with God, to set up the most amazing rhythms. And I just wanted to um, acknowledge the single parents in the room. Okay, you're single and you don't have time. I'm so sorry. That's really, really hard. And uh, a verse I wanted to share with you is in Isaiah and it says that He gently leads those with young. This is God. He gently leads those with young. And so I want you to know, if you're a sole parent, His leading for you in this time of your life, you should expect it to be gentle. You should expect Him to be your comforter, your provider, the one that would say, hey, trust me, I'll fight for you. You just live for me. You just, you just connect with me. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that as well. This is a great time in your life to pursue our primary calling, which is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And how can we, what, what about the mm. church culture? Like mm. sometimes it's like yeah. part of the mindset is a, uh, the single person rather than just long, yeah. like I get the longing, like mm. I totally do, the longing to have somebody to spend your life with for the people that desire that. And so there's a tension, like, like yeah, yeah, cool, like I'll give my life to the Lord, but I still am longing for this. So I get that we need to keep changing our mindset to be like, I'll give myself yeah. wholeheartedly to that. Yeah. But how do we as a church culture yeah. keep helping people like feel celebrated in that season yeah. too and not sort of like second class citizens yeah. in the church? Yeah. yeah, actually one of the most common feedback we get from singles in the church is that it's harder to connect in. 
They're like, well, couples connect with couples, two-parent families. Especially as they get older, right? Yeah, two-parent yeah. families connect with two-parent families. And I don't want to just be a part of a single women's group or a single guy's group. I actually want to be a part of families and I want to be in the homes of those that, you know, are couples as well. And um, I've loved that my mum and dad have always modelled this. They've always actually had um, single mums, would always be coming around to our house for dinner with their kids. Um, and they continue that way to bring people in. This is community for everyone. We're a church. And so I would encourage us to think beyond just who is of likeness to our stage of life and to bring in those that, um, yeah, could do with some more community. That's right. And I think how beautiful if we can keep growing as a church that, yeah. uh, you know, it has the most diverse range of like community where we don't just connect with people in the same season, the same station in life, but we look for the people who might not naturally like you know, we might still vibe with them, but you know, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, like, let's actually, I'm going to bring in this solo mum into our community so that the the kids can have a good interaction with the dad as well. Or I'm going to involve a few of these single people and have them around in our, in our home, even though we're married, so that there's there's mm. true brothers and sisters in Christ in this. That's so healthy. And we could all keep getting better at that for sure. Absolutely. I think that the big thing around being single and celebrated is there's a collision of worldviews happening in the Scriptures. There's no doubt that Paul believed the end was near. Jesus was coming back really soon. And in light of him believing Jesus was coming back really soon, he was like, what's the most important thing about life? Serving the Lord, the Lord's work, the gospel going forth. And so from that perspective, he was going like, and if you can control your passions, which we all know what that's code for, okay? If you can control that, give yourself fully to the Lord's work because that will stand for eternity. And I think while we might have different perspectives around when the end is near and when Jesus is coming back, the same is still true that like what matters most in life is not whether we're married or not, not whether we have a family or not, but it matters whether or not we're a part of what the, the story that the Lord is writing on this earth. And so Paul is encouraging single people and he's encouraging the church as a whole to go, let's celebrate singleness, not because they're free, not because they can do whatever they want in the weekend, not because they've got huge disposable incomes, not because, let's celebrate it because they're able to give themselves to the Lord in a way that those who are married uh, and even those who have kids and have found themselves single again are unable to do. So let's celebrate. It's worth celebrating for that reason. And uh, so if you're single, you can celebrate your season by giving yourself to the reason it should be celebrated, by giving yourself more fully to the Lord's work. It's just a huge, like, there's worldviews colliding here, right? And I, I use the analogy in the 9am gathering of the Titanic movie. Like, everyone will remember the movie, The Titanic, right? It's like, broke box office hits, it's like as a love story, right? And through our Western culture, where we hugely value romantic love, just AKA like, until... Uh, it was probably not until the fourth century that romantic love was how people chose somebody to marry. So for centuries, people didn't even consider that. They considered extending their family inheritance as most important for who you marry. In Western culture, we're individualistic. We love the idea of romantic love. So Titanic was a very popular story because what is it? It's a story of Rose 
beautiful, betrothed to not a nice guy, but doing what was best for her family to protect their station in the world. What happens in the story? She goes, screw what's best for my family. I'm falling in love with Jack, Jack, Leo. And, uh, you know, I'm going to abandon all of that for I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow my feelings and I'm going to fall in love. And that's all that matters. And so in the West, that movie blew up because that's what we believe is the right way to make decisions in this world. In the East, the movie was a flop because people found it offensive. How dare she do what's just best for her? She needs to do what's best for her family. It's individualism versus collectivism. I only bring that up to go like, when we come to the Bible's advice on relationships, it's coming at it from such a different worldview to the one we like are naturally brought up in. And so sometimes the advice can be hard to receive because it can feel so foreign um, from our conditioning. But let's celebrate singleness. Yep. We, we can keep getting better at that. Let's be single and faithful would be our next yes. point. All right, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and, and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by His power, just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realise that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And you don't realise that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scripture says the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is in one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realise that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you, was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God brought you with a high price. So you must honour God with your body. Challenging. Mm. Worldviews colliding once again. In our world, we're told a lot of things about sexuality. We're told that romantic love is the most important thing. We're told that sexual expression is part of being human. We're told that sexuality is at the core of identity. We are told that actually we're conditioned with this sort of thought that if I'm to repress any sexual appetite I might have, that somehow that is unhealthy, that's oppressive, and I can only truly be free in myself if I can let my sexual appetite express itself in whatever way I desire. These are the stories our culture is telling us. We're told that 
uh, sex is just something of the body. It doesn't really matter. It's just, you know, we, we've gone through this whole revolution where sex has been separated from marriage and then sex also got separated from love and then sex got separated completely from relationships. And so sex is just a pastime. It's just an activity. These are the stories our culture is conditioning us. It's conditioning our kids. If you've got kids, this is... And so then the Bible goes, hey, um... Sexuality is a bit different from the story you've been told. It's a gift from God. It's beautiful, but it's not the be-all and end-all of being human. It matters. It's important, but it's not everything. And it's a gift. And it's like, one way to picture it, it's like it's a river. And a river is powerful. It's beautiful. It's designed to bless, to nourish you know, all of these things, but it's when a river's in its riverbanks, it can be a blessing. But when it spills the riverbanks, it causes destruction, mess, damage. You know, there's, there's a fallout from that. And so with the Bible goes, sexuality is beautiful, but it's designed for the context of marriage. It's this, this is the riverbanks. So and keep it in there and gosh, it can be a blessing. Spill out from there and there's all sorts of chaos then can start to ensue. And so when we're single, and we'll say something to the married people as well, but when we're single, we wanna learn what it means to be faithfully sexually in that time. And here's one of the traps that single people fall into is if I just get married, it will fix my problems. It will fix my desires. It will fix my lack of faithfulness. Every married person is nodding right now because they know that it doesn't fix a single thing. All it does is change it and complicate it. So if you're thinking marriage is going to fix you, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's right. I wanted to pick out of um, the scripture that we read, which talked about that we shouldn't be a slave to anything. In Romans 6.15, talks about this as well. And Paul says, well, then since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. And then this is what I wanna highlight. Don't you realise that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. Ironically, our culture would use the term sexually free for someone that obeys every whim of sexual desire that they have. But the Scripture says they are not free at all. In fact, they are slaves to what they obey, which is their sexual desire. And, I, and does that lead us to any type of flourishing? It never does. If you follow your whims of sexual desire for long enough, it will lead you to a place of destruction every time. Single, married, it doesn't matter. And it's just not a worthy master. For, for those of us that believe in Jesus, we follow Him, our sexual desires and impulses, they are not a worthy master. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he actually refers to himself as a slave of Christ. What's he saying? That I obey Christ above any of my desires, above my sin, He's who I obey. Not His flesh, not His own desires, not His sin, but Jesus, who is the truth that sets Him free. 2 Timothy 22 says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. 
Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure, th- with pure hearts. So there are things that we can do. Joel used the metaphor of a river. I'm gonna use the metaphor as a fire for our sexual desires and impulses. There are things we can do to tame that fire. <laughs> and there are things we do that we can do that are like fuel to the fire. What we watch, what we look at, what we read, who we spend time with, the places that we spend time in, they can all be a fuel to the fire, making it almost impossible to tame, making it almost impossible not to be a slave to it. But but Jesus says that, um, Paul said, we're not supposed to be a slave to anything. Proverbs 6.27, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burnt? No, he cannot. Song of Solomon 8 verse 4, and I often speak of this to the youth. Promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Not to awaken love until the time is right. There are things that we do that open doors. And if it's not the right time in our life, it's just like playing with fire. Absolutely. I mean, we could, uh, we're talking about single and faithful, mm. but we could be saying married and faithful course, too. Course. That the reality is, is this point is relevant to everybody. Yeah. We live in the most sexualized culture. Yeah. We deal with pressures and saturations and exposure to things that other cultures have never had to deal with before from what is, you know, considered appropriate TV to what is, you know, a reasonable series to watch, to the movies, to the music, to whatever, whoever you follow on Instagram and, on, on, and you know, into the things that, you know, people post and people's kids post and the photos they post of themselves. Like, it's like, it's nuts the amount of sexualization we are exposed to. To live faithfully in that, therefore, requires a type of intention that other cultures haven't had to wrestle with before. And we need to rise to that. We need to consider what we follow, what we're exposed to, what we watch, just because of the sheer amount of fuel it's trying to add, the type of stuff it's trying to awaken. If you're a parent here, we need a, it's not enough to have a talk. We need to be involved in our kids' lives. We need to be involved. We need to be scrolling through their social media and going, why are you following this person? Why are you look at what they post? You don't need that in your life. Like, I mean, there's states in America now starting to ban social media for people under 18. It should absolutely be. Like, it's a, don't give your fo- a kid a phone at 13. Don't let them. They can cause more damage on that thing before they're 15 than what they can cause when they get a driver's license when they're 16. Bring some controls. Bring some parenting. Bring, because we don't need them wrestling. We don't want to be cleaning up the mess later. Parent them. Parent them. Get involved in that space. Um, we, we need that. We knew that because we want to be living faithfully in the area of sexuality. Single and satisfied is our third of four points, just in case you're wondering and worried. Uh, (laughs) Single and satisfied. Here's something I know to be true. Most marriage problems are not marriage problems at all. They're single people problems that we bring to our marriages. Marriage problems are easy. I didn't understand you. What do you want me to do? How can I serve you better? Like that, marriage problems, that, that communication conflict resolution. When you're a healthy prob- person, marriage problems are simple. But when you're an unhealthy person, it gets real messy really quickly. And so while we're single, 
whether we desire to be married or not, we want to pursue a life where we're quite content in our walk with the Lord and in who we are so we can bring that contentment, that joy, that peace to every relationship we find ourselves in, no matter the nature of the relationship. Yeah, that's right. Um, just last week I was talking to a couple and they are separating at the moment and their kids are devastated and I was talking to the mum and she was just listing off all the reasons why her husband did not make her happy. And I've known them for a little while, so I knew them before they were married. And I remembered, thinking back, I thought, actually, she wasn't happy before they got married. She wasn't happy in herself. And so this is what happens. We are deceived to think that the other person is the problem for our own happiness. But it was the fact that she was already not happy in herself before she even engaged in their marriage. Proverbs 4 verse 12 says, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything flows from it. So singles, is your heart content? Is your heart content? Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Do you have love for God, for others, and for yourself? Mm. Is your mind a, a safe and kind place for you to be? Because now is a perfect time mm. to pursue Jesus as your primary relationship and to allow His Word to heal, to bring healing and health to your soul as you order your life under Him. Because I promise you, if, if you're not content in your heart now, you won't be in a relationship later. That's right. Marriage doesn't solve problems. It actually brings them yeah, to the surface. It does. Marriage is like, yeah, all yeah. the married people are like, amen. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know I had issues yeah. until we got yeah. married. And it turns yeah. out I got way more than I knew because it becomes like a mirror. It becomes yeah. like a, it becomes a, 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 I don't know, like something that brings it to the surface. It become, it, it, it's intense. And so it, it confronts our selfishness. It, it confronts how much we're relying on somebody else to make us happy. And we have to, yes, yeah, so singleness yeah. is an opportunity to get healthy, yeah. to be emotionally healthy, to be secure in Christ, all of these things. If you're yeah. single here, here's some things I think you could throw yourself into. It's true even for married people, but particularly true for single people. Get secure in Christ, as Katie was saying. Fall in love with the Lord. Have such a radiating relationship with the Lord that somebody looks across from church one day and goes, there's a worshiper, I want some of that. Uh, you know, it's like, like it, it is attractive when somebody is whole and healthy in the Lord. It is so attractive. Um, get grounded in the Christian community. Like, I remember when we were like, you know, in the early days of our relationship, me being really honest, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to offer you, I can't promise that we're going to be able to buy a house or be able to do all of these things. I want to serve the Lord with my life. And so if you're up for that adventure, let's go, let's go on that adventure. And God's been incredibly kind to us. But it's like, we're clear about what we're about. I knew what I was about. Um, become a person that somebody else wants to marry. You know, become the person you're looking for is looking for is another way of saying that. Get financially prepared. Like people are single for longer these days. Houses are harder to buy. It's like, well, that means you have to start saving earlier. You need to like, don't use your single years, just living for yourself. Like, you know, spending all your money, going on all these adventures. You can do that stuff, that's cool. But get financially prepared. 
Like, hey, if you're looking at marrying somebody and you're 30 years old and they're 30 years old and they don't have a dime to their name, probably don't marry them. They'll be making 10 years of bad decisions, right? Like, it's like, grow up. Um, I would say the same about like, look for somebody who's taken responsibility in their life. Nothing matures a person like responsibility does. That's why marriage, having kids, if you rise to the occasion, it will grow you phenomenally. But when you're looking for somebody, don't look for somebody that shirked responsibility their whole life. It's an immature person. Look for somebody who's taken on responsibility for their appearance, for their finances, for their bedroom, for their car, you know, these practical things, they're signs. Look for somebody who's taken responsibility at work, who takes responsibility at church. Because when you look for those things, you'll be finding somebody who's maturing because responsibility matures us. And our culture wants to keep us immature and shirk responsibility, but take responsibility. It'll grow you up. Yeah. Yeah. Single, our fourth point, eh? everyone's favourite point. Single and ready to mingle. Uh, God's way. God's way. <laughs> you remember our first date? I did. Um, we went and we Very saw... Very romantic. We saw iRobot. Um, at the movies. At the movies and then... The Will Smith classic. We went and played pokies. <laughs> with <laughs> friends. With friends. We were 18. With so the friends that sort of introduced us to each right. other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were 18 and very night. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I, not every single wants to marry, wants to find somebody. That's totally okay because we celebrate singleness. But many singles, whether it be they're younger or they're in later seasons of life, I know have a desire to find somebody. And, and the Lord loves that because the Lord looked at Adam and goes, it's not good for man to be alone. And he provided someone. And I think the Lord looks at us in the same way and, uh, and goes, like, if that's what you desire, I think the Lord wants to help you to become somebody and bring someone along your path. Absolutely. So here's just some advice. The, the, the Bible doesn't have much advice about dating, okay? Because they didn't date in Bible times. Your parents chose your spouse for you. Um, if you want them to still do that, I'm sure they're willing uh, to give it a go. Um, if you want your pastors to do that, we'll do, we'll do our best. Uh, but, but so we're just, in our, in our years of pastoring people, here's some things that we think in our day and age go well to do this the Lord's way, to do it faithfully with the Lord. Um, the first is, before you wonder about finding the right person, be the right person. Be the right person. You're like, that doesn't help me. Uh, I know. And that's why you need to be the right person. Um, and what do I mean by be the right person? Secure in Christ. Jesus is number one. Your, your relationship with Jesus is alive and well and grounded in God's church. You're actually in his community. That's what I think by being the right person. So then what are you looking for in somebody else? Somebody else who is secure in Christ, grounded in that relationship, because that will bless the marriage. And someone else that's grounded in the Christian community, because that shows they can work out some relational stuff. And so we're looking for that. And we might add a third thing you're looking for, somebody who looks okay to you. Okay, like, because sometimes people ask, is it okay, like, if I'm not physically attracted to them, it's like, you, know, you, you probably want to be physically attracted to them. It's like, you know, not they might be day. a really beautiful person on the inside and they haven't quite sparked your eye on the outside yet. Don't write them off. Spend some more time with them. You never know. As you get to know them, people can change how they seem to you. 
So, but, but it's also okay to look through that lens as well. Yeah? Right. Um, I would say, um, what am I going to say? Oh, I would say invite people into your dating. So, so your friends, your wise friends, your parents. So too often couples go and date on their own and they wait until they're really serious and then they go and introduce them to their friends and their family. And it's like, and Recipe then they, for disaster. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, we've got some reservations, but you're actually already quite far down the track. So the amount of times I've had parents, I've heard parents say to their kids, I don't think this person's the right one for you. And they've ignored them and got married anyway. It has never worked out well. Honestly, it hasn't. And so I think it's so important to safeguard you. It's a vulnerable time when you're falling in love with someone, there's feelings for someone, there is rose-tinted glasses, so you are vulnerable. There are needs being met that haven't perhaps been met in a while and you're like, wow, this is so great. You need your friends to be able to say, hey. Not just your friends. Not your friends, your family. To be able to say, hey, I think perhaps like you used to laugh more than you do or it seems like you're getting more insecure, not more secure. Um, you know, maybe they're not bringing out the best in you. And so we need to invite wise people in on the journey. Yeah, I think there's like a process here to get real practical. It's like, mm. hey, I want to meet somebody. I want to, yeah. well, live a relational life. You know, you have to get out there, just being practical. Like you go to social events, you know, serve on a team in church. You get to know more people in the church. Go to small groups, like be involved in things. Get involved in a sports team. Like, you know, you, 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 you need to live a relational life if you want to meet people. I know we've got online now. I know we've got, you know, dating websites, all of that. And I know lots of people meet there. I'm not boo-booing that in any way. Like use every tool possible to try and meet people, but you have to put yourself out there. You have to live relationally to meet people. The second thing is, is feel free. Here's your pastoral permission to date before you're dating. What do I mean by that? You can go on dates without it being a relationship. Hey, let's go out for a coffee or hey, let's go hang out with some friends or hey, let me take you out for lunch or whatever. We're not a thing. This isn't an item. We're just trying to hear each other's stories, see if there's a vibe going on, you know. And and I wanna say like, feel free to do that. And here's the other thing from the church. When you see someone going on a date, don't assume they're dating. Yeah. Don't be like, woo! Are you guys a thing now? Because sometimes the reason people keep it separate from their friends and separate from the church is because the church puts pressure on them to go faster than they're actually going. And it's just like, it's because we're familiar and we love each other, but sometimes it can be unhelpful. And so then people feel like they have to hide if they're dating. We don't want to be a church like that, but we want to give permission for people, guys, Girls, you can invite people. I know it's the modern world, it's fine. But guys, man up. We're built to pursue. We do well with a challenge. Uh, As somebody to, to, like a dragon to slay and a damsel to rescue. And I know none of the damsels need rescuing. I know that. You just. I know that. But guys, like, man up. Put yourself, if you're not willing to be rejected, you might never find the right person. So be a man, ask, woman, be a woman, ask too, that's fine. But here's the thing, don't be too easy to get, ladies. Let the, let, make the man work for it a little. It'll be better for him. 
It'll be better in the long run. Nothing wrong with a little bit of gentle hard to get. Okay? Uh, yeah. It, it keeps them interested. You know, they, want, like they want the conquest. They I want need the to battle. Step in. I feel I need to step in. Um. No, you don't. Let me keep going. <laughs> I actually wisdom ha- for life. Wisdom for life, right. I don't think anyone wants to be referred to as like a dragon to be slayed or anything like that, but... Um, no, that's the no. things to yeah, overcome know, to I get know, to know. the damsel. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Also not damsels, but... Um, that, I said that. Yeah, I know, I know. Although Come I, on, Katie. I have, I have heard, though, I have heard it said that if you want someone to chase you, well, you better be going somewhere, and I think that that's a really good point. Can I just finish what I was going to say before you so beautifully cut Sorry. me off? Sorry. <laughs> I just didn't know where we were going. Um, so we've gone like, be relational, feel free to date before you're dating. But once you decide to date, what's the purpose of dating as a Christian? It's not just to have fun and to waste some years. It's that you think you could actually marry this person and it's to pursue intentionally figuring out if that's the person you're gonna marry. So date for that reason. And in that process, don't wait till you're ready to get, in, like that's where Katie's saying, involve people in that process, hang out with others often, involve family if you've got family around, involve you know, your small group leader, involve the wise mentors in your life, involve them. But in that process, don't wait to do all the pre-marriage stuff and all of that stuff once you put a ring on it. Yeah. Have those conversations before you decide to get engaged. What do you wanna do with your life? Oh, I don't wanna do that. It's good to know that. Oh, you don't want kids. I do want kids. Well, like, let's have those conversations before it's too late. Sometimes once we drop to one knee and we get engaged and all of these stuff starts to come to the surface then and we feel like, oh no, I'm too deep. We just have to work it out now. And you're like, no, no. Have those conversations before you get that diamond ring out, okay? Uh, spend some money. You're gonna spend, a, if you get married, you're gonna spend a lot of money on the wedding. Spend some money on the marriage. Get, get before a counsellor, get before a, a, a Christian psychologist, work on some of this stuff so that you can decide if this is the right thing. And hey, if you've, if you've gone through all the right processes, don't drag out a long engagement unless it's necessary. Okay, that's what the Bible says. It's like, if you're gonna give in to your passions, get married. Now, I'm assuming that means you've gone through the other processes, but don't feel like you have to have a long engagement. If you've done all the other processes really well and there's a whole community around you going, go for it. You guys are ready, do it. Um, the marriage matters more than the wedding. Sure does. Yeah. That's right. And I just um, also wanna say, don't date someone that doesn't have the same faith. Don't date someone who isn't a Christian. I, I've just, yes. Please. Please don't, please don't. I've had the amount of people that have said, but I dated this Christian person and they really sucked. And then this you know, person who's not a Christian treats me so much better. Don't write off all Christians because one person sucked, okay? Um, listen, if you think that it's gonna work great, because they're supportive of your faith and they don't mind that you come to church. Well, I'd just like to ask you to go and talk to somebody here who's been married for a long time to someone who doesn't have the same faith as them and ask them how it's going. Ask them what their main prayer need is. Ask them where the pain point is in their marriage. Ask them how it affects their children, that 
that one of their parents doesn't go to church and, and, and doesn't believe in God. Ask them how it goes for their children. Ask them how it is. Because if you think it's just gonna work out great and you've got a piece about it, I've seen it too many times to say, it's gonna be hard. And it just happens to not be a great way of converting someone. <laughs> Marrying them. Apparently, if a man is a Christian and he marries a woman who isn't, the chances are much higher than a woman who marries a man who isn't a Christian. It doesn't seem to work out that way. And that's the been my experience. and convert strategy. It doesn't work. Effective. And I tell you what, maybe you're like, it's just that, that nervousness of waiting for that right person. And you're like, ah, oh, but I've got this person here who's really nice and they're pursuing me. And it's about trusting God in the wait. As you wait on the Lord, He'll renew your strength. And I promise you, it'll be worth the wait. You, you won't regret it when you're in a hard season in your life and you can hold your spouse's hand and pray together. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. Yeah, save yourself the heartache. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Yeah. Single and celebrated. Yeah. Single and married and faithful. Single and satisfied. And single, and don't mind mingling God's way. That's it. Would you pray for us? I'd love to. Yeah, let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank You so much. We thank You that um, we that You are our shepherd and that You guide us in all seasons of our life. Lord, now I particularly wanna lift to You those that are single and that they have hope deferred. They feel disappointment about the season that they're in. They feel fearful that they'll never meet someone that's going to bless them in that way. And Father, I pray that You would minister to their heart right now. Lord, I pray that as they lean into You, Jesus, that they would trust You, God, that in their waiting, Lord, that You would renew their strength. Lord, um, I pray that for those that are feeling fearful, Lord, would You minister to them with Your love. May they just be overwhelmed. May they declare like in Psalm 23, my cup overflows with the love of God. May that be their season, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we also pray for divine appointments. Lord, we pray that You would actually um, bring people into their lives that are worthy of them. Lord, would You draw back to the church also those that are Christians and they're single and are no longer in church. Lord, would You draw them back in so that there would be um, a place that they can actually meet as well, as well as being in the church and community. Um, and so, yeah, all of this for Your glory, Lord. In Jesus' Name. Amen. 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 Part one done. Part one.